0: Don Crawford Jr. Here's Michael and Don. I faced it all and I stood tall, and my
1: way. Dallas Estate Planning and Dallas Elder Law Attorney Michael Cohen, and I welcome you again to another Estate Planning Essentials program, judiciously protecting your family, your assets and you. Hello, Michael.
2: Hello, Don. How you doing?
1: I'm doing fine today. I'm looking forward to this program. Um, I know you talked to me about the topic just before we started it, and I wanted to um, present it to the audience in a special fashion by indicating that um, I think it's fascinating that people take for granted certain uh, items, certain tools that they can use for estate planning, and it sounds so ho humish at times, but like a ladybird taught me so much about how wonderful those tools and weapons can be. I'm a weapon, I guess, against the government, so they don't take all your money or your, your estate is set up the way you want it to be, and things are passed down to the individuals you want to receive those assets. For powers of attorney, those seem like tools too that also help a lot of people better than I think people realize.
2: Yeah. Um, first of all, yeah, Lady Birdie just to explained to the audience yeah. that is a deed like when you have like a property, like real estate, mm-hmm. where it avoids probate. And usually your homestead, uh, it avoids Medicaid estate recovery. Uh, if, if, if somebody was like getting long-term care um, where the government helps pay for care costs. But uh, a power of attorney uh, is really part of a, a basic part of any basic estate plan. I have two daughters. Uh, one's 22 and one's 18, and when they both turned 18, uh, I had them sign a power of attorney, uh, as well as all the other general estate planning documents, like besides a will and a medical power of attorney and a HIPAA and a living will, mm-hmm. I, because I thought that those things were even even on the simplest of, of estates, that everybody should have that. Uh, so let me first explain what a power of attorney is for those who may not know. A, well, I'm thinking of a general durable financial power of attorney. What that means is a power of attorney that gives somebody else the authority to act for you uh, even during your disability. A power of attorney is only good during lifetime, uh, but they can handle your financial affairs. So, for example, but that doesn't mean that you don't have the rights to deal with your own financial affairs. Uh, So, Let's say you wanted to sell some real estate, generally the financial power of attorney would give that ability uh, or mortgage the property or lease the property, uh, or uh, if you had to enter into a contract or to get into a retirement account, it's usually used when somebody's disabled. Uh, In other words, it's a cheap disability insurance product, uh, in, in in my opinion, because what happens if you didn't have a financial power of attorney? And let's say you needed to go to uh, to get to that retirement account and you hadn't named anybody. Just because, let's say you're married, doesn't mean that your spouse automatically has ability to get to your IRA. Right. Uh, they don't. Uh, right. You have to have some authority. Uh, and that would be the financial durable power of attorney uh but if you didn't you would have to go to court to seek guardianship and guardianship is very expensive we talked about this on other shows that uh you'd have an attorney uh representing you and there'd be an attorney representing uh the one who seeks guardianship uh if there's somebody contest there'd be a third attorney involved you may have to have an annual accounting you may have to uh get the authority of the court to sell any assets it's a very expensive process so generally a financial uh, power of attorney is always a good thing i say it's always i shouldn't say always as we'll talk about in just a minute it's usually a good thing to have now in, in, under texas law you have two choices you can either have the power of attorney effective immediately or you can spring upon disability. So typically, in a power of attorney document, you'll give that choice to the uh, person who's signing the document, called the principal.
1: Mm-hmm. The person
2: signing who signs the document is called the principal, and the person who is the one you've appointed to act on your behalf is called the agent. All right. So, um, so it's generally a good thing to have, and, and a lot of people think, oh, gee it should just spring when I'm disabled. That's when it's supposed to be really, you know, work. However, uh, it's generally recommended that it be effective immediately because you never know when when somebody's, you know, when's that line of capacity has been passed. So then you might have to get doctors to determine when there's a lack of capacity. That could be something you do in certain situations, but generally if it's somebody you trust, you would have it effective immediately and if they started hmm. if they started to do something bad well then you revoke the power of attorney which we'll get into in just a second the power of attorney also will cover a lot of different things besides what i've just mentioned there are certain things called hot powers so additional things that uh beyond what the state legislative uh language is so the state legislature actually has some language that says powers of attorney cover these laundry list of items. It could be anything from real estate, banking transactions, to digital assets, uh, which are like Facebook and things like that. Mm -hmm. Uh, But there could be additional things that you may want. It could be something like, uh, do you want somebody to be able to make gifts? Generally, you say, no, maybe not. But maybe you may want to do that for some sort of planning purpose. Maybe the law changes tax laws could change maybe uh, uh, maybe it's for medicaid or veterans benefits purposes uh, we know that medicaid and veterans benefits are they look at the amount of assets you have and sometimes there's different planning tools to reduce the assets of the government or assist in care costs it could be the ability to create trust that would be something else that you would have to put in there it could be that you want a beneficiary uh, of an account uh Changed if you lack capacity, it could be that you want to partition assets if there was a marital issue and for some sort of reason to transfer assets to the other spouse for, let's say, public benefits reasons or other reasons. It could be uh, dealing with um, pets. It could be dealing with uh, it, it could be any number of things that is beyond the state legislative um, Uh, language. So uh, powers of attorney, we had somebody this week, they said, oh, can you just, uh, what form do you all use? (laughs) (laughs) There's one power of attorney out there. And we say, look, we customize powers of attorney. Uh, There's not just one. You know, a lot of times consumers uh, think that there's one will out there. There's one power of attorney out there. There's one, this document, they're all the same. But or a car, if you say, um, I just want a car, well, what kind of car?
1: <laughs> there's right. lots of
2: different types of cars. And even if you said one type of car, there's lots of different uh, bells and whistles that you could have on that car. So the same thing is on all just about all legal documents. Even if you had a living will, which is the pull-the-plug instrument, you can go into different uh, things like, so artificial hydration, nutrition, blood transfusions, antibiotics, dialysis, CPR, you know, all those different types of things you could even add on something simple like that. And then even not to mention COVID-19 language, et cetera. Uh, so a power of attorney is perhaps the most important document that you might ever sign. Maybe yeah. more important than a will. Well. The reason is because you're, the, the power of attorney... Can deal with all your assets in your lifetime and so even the level of mental capacity to sign a financial power of attorney is greater under law than it is to sign a will it's more important to take care of you in your lifetime with your assets now uh, having said all that and saying yeah we should everybody should have a power of attorney sometimes your agent doesn't do exactly the way you thought that they would do. So if you did make it effective immediately, even though you trusted that individual, what happens if that trusted individual doesn't act so trustworthy? <laughs> <laughs> uh, so then you have to say, what can you do? Well, uh, well, first of all, if there was somebody you didn't trust, you might have it spring upon disability, but actually you shouldn't even have that person to begin with.
1: Yes.
2: Yeah. The Usually you'll have, a lot of times people have a family member, but uh, we see that, like, uh, you know, as you mentioned at the beginning, I'm an elder law attorney. One of the most common things is when some people have some sort of dementia is that there's elder abuse, and the elder abuse includes financial elder abuse, and those are usually by family members. Mm-hmm. Um, so they the family member may justify taking assets from, in this case, let's say the principal under Mm -hmm. a financial power of attorney. So what happens if you have somebody that you said that was effective immediately, it didn't spring upon disability, and you said, "Uh uh-oh, they took money out of my account, put it in their account, what do you do then?
1: The Bernie Madoff syndrome,
2: yeah, yeah, well, I don't know if anything that's bad is, uh, uh, I'm not going to say may he rest in peace, because uh, I don't really feel that way, uh, but, uh, uh, you know, some people might, well, anyway,
1: I'm not going to yeah. get into that, but, yeah. The,
2: yeah, so some people feel they can justify whatever they do, uh, whatever their twisted reasoning is, it's kind of like, uh, you know, we, we talked about uh, on one of the shows recently about how somebody had a uh, a paid-on-death account. I think last week's show we talked about paid-on-death accounts, and mm-hmm. uh, the in-town child, uh, one of ten children, was named as the uh, beneficiary of an account, uh, and with the mom thinking that he'll take care of everybody else and split it up, but he's just convenient. He's right there, uh, and he'll he'll do the right thing. Mm-hmm. And so the in-town, in-town child says to me, uh, do I have a legal obligation to pay my nine siblings a portion of that money that was paid on death to me? I said, not a legal, just a moral obligation. And what mm-hmm. he said in justification was, they haven't called mom lately anyway. Yeah. Well, <laughs> so, yeah. uh, so, so anyway, not, some people come up with whatever reasons they want to justify whatever nefarious acts
1: they may take. I don't get it, Mike. I never have, I never will. That kind of egregious entitlement and avarice and greed just blow me away, no matter how they rationalize it. And uh, as you said, it's a moral issue. That's between them and God, them and the people, them and their conscience. But uh, I'm grateful you're never that way as a professional and personally, and I plan to never be that way either, because I just don't understand it.
2: Yeah, so... So sometimes, though, though, bad things happen to good people, yeah.
1: Yeah.
2: and we have to say, what can we do? What's our next steps to do something about it after the bad
1: event occurs? Before I let you get to that, let me stop you right there and talk about the next workshop, because every show pertains to what we're discussing um, in terms of uh, or what's to be discussed at the workshops, it seems. You trigger ideas. Based on the topics and subjects, and then, or people already have pre existing issues and concerns, and you've been doing these workshops for years and years. And the next one is a virtual workshop, of course, that's Saturday, April the 24th at 10 o'clock. And virtual means it can be done online via Zoom, which is the real easy turnkey way to attend the workshop. And um, sometimes, or they used to be in person before COVID struck um, a year over, a year ago. And uh, today, Michael, are they still just virtual? And if so, why?
2: Yeah, we're still trying to keep people safe. As you know, uh, I was reading in the paper um, uh, this week that still uh, over 75% of uh, the people in the area that are over 16 have not been vaccinated. So we Mm want to be safe. Uh, We do hope that we'll get back to being more on uh, both online as well as having it uh, in person again, uh, hopefully uh, this, maybe this summer, uh, but right now we're still trying to be safe until uh, we're a little bit more out of the woods to make sure that people feel comfortable without any risk. Okay. So, uh, right now we're still virtual, but we do plan on uh, getting back to normal, hopefully in the near
1: future. When I talk about those pre-existing issues and questions. That's what the workshop is for. It's called a workshop, not a seminar, because it's interactive. It's back and forth. You ask a question. Michael faces the firing squad and answers the questions uh, diligently and beautifully. And If he can't, he'll tell you no, which is very rare because he's he's so current on the laws and legislation and what not only has happened but what could happen. So that allows you to, to show up at the workshop, again, virtually via Zoom, and he goes around the the Zoom room, and he allows people to ask him questions about estate planning or government assistance. Is that right, Mike?
2: Yeah, I say, what do you want to know? What do you want to know about estate planning uh, or Medicaid or veterans benefits, whatever the question may be? I mean, I've never had a question, by the way, of our topic today about revocation of powers of attorney, but you never know what the questions will be. It could be something about well what's the difference between a will and a trust or do mm-hmm. I need a will and a trust or do I need right. a power of attorney or what's the, how does that all work um, what about it could be something about the Bernie Sanders plan about oh what will this mean as far as estate taxes mm. what do we be doing now uh, is there something about medicaid how do I protect my home you know you mentioned the lady bird deed earlier mm-hmm. that's a common question that people ask how do yeah. I save my assets how do I protect my child from a a bad marriage? How do I protect my uh, loved one if my spouse remarries? How do I make sure my children get the money? Uh, Or whatever it could be. It's any number of things. We never know what people are going to ask. And that's what makes each workshop different. And so uh, we never know. And we see whatever it is, what the questions are. We answer those questions. Plus, we give, uh, you know, some general information about estate planning or Medicaid, and so that people are educated. It's free. It's two mm-hmm. hours. Uh, and if you do go to the free two-hour state planning essentials workshop, uh, which you could do by just calling 214-720-0102. That's 214-720-0102. Or sign up online at DallasElderLawyer.com. That's DallasElderLawyer.com dot com, uh, you get to ask whatever questions you want about estate planning without any, you know, any any obligation. In fact, like you said, uh, it could be from your own. You're just watching. It's like you're watching a TV show, but you're right. interactive uh, from your own home or, you know, from your cell phone. Whatever is easiest for you, and um, and then if you do go to that free estate planning essentials workshop, the next one being on April 24th, that's just Saturday. This coming Saturday, uh, that you will also get a free one hour uh, vision meeting, we call it, to look at your individual situation in more detail if you so desire. Again, all you have to do to get uh, to go to that uh, free estate planning essentials workshop is to call that 214 720 0102 number. That's 214 720. 102 or sign up online at dallas com, and you'll get three free hours of uh, free education without any obligation and if there's nothing you do you know or want to do that's fine we'll go off be friends at least you'll get the questions that you're wanting to know
1: answered, I hope very good and remember that uh, that vision meeting, that one-hour vision meeting after the State Planning Essentials Workshop meeting is a private meeting. You're not attending it with other people. So it's just be you and Michael and anybody you want to bring with you to that. And that's also, uh, is that virtual, Michael, or is that face-to-face? We give people the option. So Some people
2: want it. um, I'm still here at the office, so I I am giving people the option to do whichever way they want to do it. Um, So I know there's a lot of difference of opinions out there as to, Mm-hmm. whether you should meet or not meet, uh, and we just let, their, let everything is what we call
1: centered around the person who's coming in, whatever they Good. want. Good. Smart. All right, Michael, about seven or eight more minutes. Let's talk more about powers of attorney and that mother-and-son situation and some of the solutions for that. Well, first of all, um,
2: on any document, as long as you have mental capacity, you could always change, usually on most, doc, most legal documents, there are... Certain irrevocable trust that you can't change, but um, the but even then, there's anything you do, you could always change. By the way, mm-hmm. even mm-hmm. an irrevocable trust, even if you didn't retain powers, you could go to court to modify. So there is no such thing as irrevocable on any legal documents, probably. Okay, all right. Uh, so on a financial power of attorney, uh, what you would do is revoke the power of attorney. So this is just mm-hmm. a short document that says basically, I hereby revoke the power of attorney. But you need to take further steps than just revoking. How are you going to notify the agent that they are no longer uh, uh, an agent? First of all, uh, before you even do that, if there's any real estate, and even if you don't have real estate, what we usually do is we record the revocation in the residence where the person lives, or if they have real estate, wherever they have uh, real estate, Uh, We filed the revocation with the county clerk. So now there's notice to the world that there's the revocation. In addition to that, you send the notice to the agent saying, hey, your power of attorney has been revoked. And you also send uh, to every financial institution that we know about that the financial power of attorney has been revoked. You send that by certified mail return receipt requested. Besides doing that, what, well, you know, and we had an actual case this week in which the son took $300,000 from his mom's account. And um and mom demanded uh saying, "Look, um, uh we I want to know where my money is and uh, give it back." And um so um so now what we've done is we're demanding an accounting that means I want all, every dang transaction you've made since you've become the agent. I want And, and there's actual Texas law as to what you could do and what, what an accounting is. It goes into great detail. Uh, under Texas law, it, even though you could make it shorter, uh, usually the demand is that you get it within 60 days, mm-hmm. 60 days. Okay. So there's actually a time frame. So you demand an accounting uh, for the – Person to go in great detail as to what they did. Now, if if they don't do anything, then you do what's called a motion to compel to actually go to court for them to follow the law. Now, you know if somebody takes funds. Um, now, an attorney can't you know threaten criminal action, but because uh, that would be unethical. But really, mm-hmm. if you take money without the authority of somebody, the more that you take, you see. The more that you take from somebody, it's it's like theft. It's conversion. You're taking somebody else's funds. So the more you take uh, is technically a crime that increases with the amount that you take. It's just like a felony decreases with the more you take. So, first of all, you would probably get an order to compel. But if they don't, you might sell, you could sue for a breach of fiduciary duty. In other words, when you're an agent, just like if you're a an agent or a trustee of a trust or an executor of a will, you're considered what's called a fiduciary. You have a higher standard to act. So when you take money from somebody that's not yours, that's really uh, a breach of fiduciary duty, unless there's some sort of authority that you could do it. Uh, And then also in this case, uh, it could be elder abuse. uh, So there could be criminal acts for elder abuse, conversion, whether the DA's office would get involved as Unknown, but you see, you do take uh, various risks when you do that. But uh, so there's various steps, and hopefully, hopefully that never comes to play. I mean, we hope that you know that that the you know really what should occur is you know if there was really a concern that uh, let's say that uh, there was a reason that mom was going to act in a bad way or something like that, and you wanted to terminate mom's rights because she. Let's say she was uh, investing in some sort of uh, Russian email scam or something, uh, then, uh, and you see that there were some things that were questionable, uh, you could seek guardianship to terminate those rights. Mm-hmm. There are legal things that uh, son could have done as opposed to just taking funds that belong to mom and without returning to mom, justifying it because of whatever reasons he thinks it's better to be in his hands. Now, what happened if he had died? What happened yeah. if he died before mom? It could go to some people that mom didn't want it to go to. Maybe she wants it to go to all her children, and mm-hmm. he's giving it to some either spouse or some other family or some other friend. We don't know. Maybe what happens if that son had become d- disabled? And mm-hmm. by the way, when you're disabled, if he didn't have a power of attorney, then he there would have to be a guardianship over him, and those funds would have to be used for his care. What happens if he had gotten sued? He had taken mom's money and he gets sued. Now mom's money is subject to his creditors? Has he thought about anything except for himself? Well, so the bottom line is um there are steps that could have been taken. I'm sure in his mind that he just there were justifiable reasons to do what he did, but of course there's the law and we have to think about all the bad situations. So uh, if you, uh, there are steps to take uh, if somebody acts badly,
1: and those are just a few of the different things that could be done. I'm going to change the name of the program from Estate Planning Essentials to Prevent the Mess, because that's what you do. You just lay it all out and say, This is, you just talk to us now about all the messes that could happen if people just don't have someone who is an expert in this legal area look at the situation and circumstances and then guide you it accordingly based on the current laws. And, you know, Michael, when, when this happens, you always want to say to the person listening, oh, well, he would never, oh, she would never, and that's what you can never say. So to that end, attend Michael's next virtual workshop. It's online it's via Zoom. You just sign up. It's really simple. It's on Saturday, April the 24th at 10 o'clock in the morning. You can sit there on your couch, have a cup of coffee. You don't have to be seen uh, you can just listen um, and and see everybody else. That's the way Zoom sets it up. So you have the option if you don't feel like getting made up, dressed up, that kind of thing. But you can still learn a significant amount about the law. And Michael's very committed to educating uh, his people at the workshop, and of course the people that listen to this program. To that end, dial two one four seven two zero zero one zero two two one four seven two zero zero one zero two to sign up for his next. State Planning Essentials workshop again on Saturday, April the 24th at 10 o'clock. We'll go to Dallas Elder Dallas Elder, E L D E R Lawyer.com, or just Google Michael Cohen, C O H E N, Dallas Attorney, and he will come right up on that first page of Google, and you're off and running. Dallas Elder Law Attorney Michael Cohen, thank you, sir. Thank you, Don.
0: Seven two zero zero one zero two. That's two one four seven two zero zero one zero two. A talk show host on 770 KAM for six years, Michael Cohen is the person you want to evaluate and complete what could currently be a deficient estate plan. Make sure it is done your way, and sign up for his next workshop today.